Sound Design. Right now, honestly, is the best time to build whatever it is you're doing. Whether you want to stay in Navy or not, if you got to get a job part-time or full-time right now just to make ends meet, great, do that. Still dedicate two to three hours to building your brand as an AV person so that when we do get busy, we're busy again. Sound Design. Sound Design Live is produced independently by me, Nathan Lively, in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Welcome to Sound Design Live, the home of the world's best online training and sound system tuning that you can do at your own pace from anywhere in the world. I'm Nathan Lively, and today I'm joined by the founder of AV Educate, Omar Kalom. Omar, welcome to Sound Design Live. Thanks, you, Nathan. Thanks for having me here, man. I love it. So, Omar, definitely want to talk to you about getting gigs, I don't know, losing gigs, networking. Um, but before we do that, I'd love to know, after you get a system set up for the first time, so I guess in your case it would often be a video system or a playback system, what's one of the first pieces of music or some kind of audio you like to play to make sure that everything's working and uh, uh uh, just functioning correctly. Such a hard question for me. Uh, so, <laughs> fun fact, I am not huge on music. I do like electric swing, which is a weird category I know, but that's something I like. One of my more kind of go-to things on show site is a Paris swing box. I feel like it's a little bit above jazz and a little bit below swinging that people kind of like let me play it out and uh, they don't complain about it too much. Okay, sure. I don't have a broad flat palette of uh, music choices, to be honest. I'm very hey, narrow when it good, comes to it's that. It's good to get along with your colleagues. Yes. So Omar, how did you get your first job in live event production? Like what was your first paying gig? First paying gig, right? Was a media stage. So, you know, the, the untold story of myself is that my father owns an AV company in South Florida and I, I kind of grew up in the industry my uncle is a lighting designer, my brother's in cinematography, my dad owns an AV company. So I, I was kind of going this route regardless. But in high school, I did theater and I did production or no, I'm sorry, theater and broadcast all four years. So it was like my always my electives were those were those electives. And then I joined the military for a while. And when I got out, you know, fan was like, hey, are you coming into the business? What's going on? And I was like, yeah, I'm coming back in. You're coming to the business, but you got as far f- as far north as Miami. Yeah, <laughs> pretty much, <laughs> pretty much. But yeah, that's kind of how I, I, that's my into the industry. And I would, I would say, yeah, my first paying gig was again, but I, I will say I started off. So I did six years with them before I kind of went freelance and, and became like a, the video engineer and person I am now. I started off and this is my father's doing mostly. He's, 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 a, he's a, you know, you gotta, you gotta earn your, 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 your stripes kind of guy. Mm-hmm. So it was the first about. The first year almost, I did nothing but pipe and drape and screens. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. Everyone's favorite two yeah. jobs. So I was in the warehouse. All I mean, I, I did show sites and I, you know, I was setting, loading trucks, unloading trucks, building stuff out. I still that to, to this day, but he would not let me leave that department. I had to manage it all. And I got really good at it. And then as I was doing that, I was being cross-trained in video because it's where I wanted to go. Uh, I was being cross-trained between video and helping out like run the warehouse. So I learned a lot of audio, learned a lot of lighting. So I'm a very competent A2, L2, V2, but my passion was video. And then after about that year mark, they're like, okay, you've, you've earned your right to now do more video stuff and kind of go to that department. So then I was for another year in charge of this uh, frou-frou and uh, scenic department, whatever, uh, but also <laughs> in tra- like assisting in the video. And then after a few years and I got to be, you know, just video. And then they brought somebody else in to do that. I was like, oh, thank God. But then it- Wow. So- 
So the irony to that is that then the other guy started taking over, and I would get mad that he, <laughs> he wasn't doing things to the standards that I would do them at. So I was uh-huh. like, I was still inserting myself I'll back into the other department. Yeah, exactly. Right. Like, oh, there's a way faster way to do this. What are you doing, man? And he's like, no, no, this is how I do it. Like, no, no, this is not how you, like, and then it came, <laughs> you know what? This is not my department anymore, man. Do it how you want. Do it how you want. <laughs> so I'm curious, does your father still hire you when we're not in quarantine? Are you one of his freelancers? Uh, I guess that's, is that too far away? I don't know. I would say I work with my dad maybe once or twice a year. Okay. My dad and me are great together as father and son my father raised me by the way uh in the teenage years my parents divorced when we were young mm-hmm. and we get along but in work i call him a slave driver because uh, he's, he's just <laughs> okay. you know it's like he's on me like there's a family name he's hard and on it's, yeah he's hard on me and it's like yeah you know i i give him you know because of the military i give him the respect you know yes sir no sir you know i call him oscar i don't call him my father in, in public okay <laughs> but when we work together you can see the tension there people are like yo who is this kid and like oh that's his son <laughs> so like we try to not work together too much but yeah when he can and sure. when he needs it I, you know i'll jump in there and there has been calls where he's like hey we need a guy like i'm like yeah, yeah i'll be there don't worry <laughs> okay cool so omar all this stuff has happened to you uh, all these different jobs and and living in different places and relationships and the military i'm i'm curious if you could take us to maybe one point in your life when you felt like there was a big turn. I find that with a lot of people that I talk to, sometimes there's many points like this, but there's usually one point in your life and you decide, okay, I'm going to make a change or, or something happens to you. Maybe someone else makes a decision. So I'm curious, looking back on your career so far, what do you think is one of the best decisions you made to get more of the work that you really love? I don't know, man. That's a tricky one. You know, there's a lot of those points in my life where I, I was you know, I have that rule, not a rule, I kind of have a thing where if you hear the same thing from three different people who don't know each other, there is factuality to that comment, right? So like, if someone says something to you, whether it's not the exact same verbiage, but it, it's the same, actually, and most times it is the same verbiage, right? Like, oh, you know, people say something to you, but it's like three separate circles that you run into that say the same thing about you. There's probably some validity to it. And you should, you should recognize that and kind of make some adjustments. So I had a bunch of those in my life. I would say the biggest one, as far as the AV side, was changing the mentality of of knowledge, right? So like what I do with AV Educate here is that came out of the necessity of where I, I couldn't find a centralized location for all of it. And everybody's kind of sporadically working in their own silos and doing their own things. But again, if you don't know somebody that knows that person, you know, like there's no brand ambassador for the for the community, right? No one's saying like, hey, by the way, if you want to learn audio and you want to learn some cool stuff, go to Nathan Lively. If you want to learn some gorilla stuff, go to Alex. Uh, I forget his last name, but... Which I, I don't uh, Alex Defunchich. Defunchich, yes. It's, it's, it's a tough one. <laughs> it's a tough one, yeah. I was like, I don't even want to try it. But yeah, it's like, there's these options that are out there, right? There's also the one for churches. There's also a video for churches. You know, like the Salt Community is a conference that goes on every year. Like, there's all these, this plethora of knowledge out there, right? But there's no one sharing that to say who to go to where, and you got to kind of find it or stumble it out on your own. Obviously, if you're an established author like you are, you stumble on a book, hey, oh, oh, and then now, oh, by the way, there's a web page and there's an online, like, all oh, there's all this other stuff you can do, right? So that's, it adds to the value of, of what that book uh, is. But again, you have to search for that stuff and hunt it down. And I was doing that for years. And then I was talking to people constantly about it. And I was talking to stagehands and I, I always loved, I always loved because of my father, primarily the mentality of do not, do not white glove anything and do not let your ego get in the way of stuff. So I, I still, to this day, do stagehand work at stagehand rates with close acquaintances of mine. It's like, I know 
I know the owners of, of Above the Mark, you know, and I know the the guys who run Showmasters. Like these are friends of mine, and they'll call me once in a while, like, "Hey, can you do this favor for me, dude? I got you. No more about it." And it's good to it's also good to connect with the people that I, I grew up in the industry with. And I kept hearing constantly, "Oh, I want to learn this. I want to learn that. I want to move into this position. I want to move into that position." And I would just tell them, "Oh, here's all the stuff." And then it it kind of dawned on me, like, "Hey." How do we learn more? Because you always know where to go. I was like, well, because I've been, I researched 20, like, it's all I do. It's my, it's my passion, right? It's learning and, and evolving myself, you know? So I, one day I, I was communicating with somebody and we were trying to disseminate information and kind of learn from each other. And it didn't work out very well. It was very one-sided. I got upset about it. And uh, a friend of mine said, hey, why don't you just do your own thing? And then at the, like, and again, this was like within the same, maybe a few weeks of it, I had, I had left the fountain blue was as the operations manager there with the team i was with i'd left that position because of the whole buyout between sav and psav and i was i was doing training for the for sav at the time i was fortunate enough that i i built enough reputation and skill set to say hey omar knows the stuff let's do a monthly newsletter and omar will do the training part of it so i was making these powerpoints for the company and when i left i had two guys within a literally like a two-week period hit me up and say hey how come you haven't done any more powerpoints and i'd only posted them on linkedin on like click share or something like that so then these were super old and i was like man i didn't realize you guys even read it because it went on the newsletter like whoever saw it saw it whatever and then that was kind of like the like the last little straw like you know what i gotta do something for the for my for my friends and family and everybody that i've been talking to and like just expand on it uh and then try to bring other people into it and i and i have you know in the last Almost three years now, I've I've been able to grow it and bring bring other uh, industry insiders. I mean, Kevin Ring from Evolve that they post on they post their classes there, and I'm, I I've done a lot of their classes. You know, I've done that, and I know projection. I still took projection class. I know cameras. I still took a camera class. I know recording. I took over like the fact that it's there and I can learn something that I didn't know. You know, I'm a big guy on unknown unknowns. I don't know what I don't know yet. Like I'm smart enough to know that I don't know a lot of stuff. And those class, I like. Any class I've gone to, and I've met like Eli and me have talked behind the scenes. He's like, dude, why do you take these classes? I'm like, I always learn something from you, man. Like, honestly, like, yes, there's a lot of things that I like, ah, and you, but there's like that one tidbit, and I'm like, and that one tidbit is the one that like I'm on a show site somewhere and shit hits the fan, and it's like, oh, I know what to do. I got you, you know, and I, and I do my thing. It's because I learned it from that class because you had that one little piece of information that, you know, I didn't have before. Sure, you're looking for an opportunity to be a problem solver, be the hero. Yeah. Yes. Solve it. I, I like that verbiage. I, I'm gonna I'm gonna start wearing my shirts. The hero, <laughs> hero for the day. Tech hero. Tech hero. Um, oh, that, so that's, that's tech hero. That's really cool, Omar. So so it's AV Educate kind of started out just as almost like uh, an index or a library of where to like get these resources, and now it's become a, a resource in itself. So how do you see it? You see it as a place where like people go to learn how to become AV technicians? Yeah, so it's a double-edged sword for me because I've, I've run into a few problems with, with that model. And I don't know if model is a good term because I'm still evolving it with the community, right? I love when people contribute to the community. I, I love that because I'm also learning as well from it. And, and a lot of things that people post, I dive in there. I click on that link. I, I go down the rabbit hole for, for, you know, 30 to 40 minutes and I learn what I can from that little link. Some of it sometimes ends up being, you know, just like a promo thing and not really educational. And I'll message the person like, hey, like, explain to me the educational value of this or I'm going to take it down because it doesn't really fit what we're doing. But for the most part, guys share uh, content. Alex shares a lot of good stuff. You share good stuff. Kevin shares good stuff. And I'll dive in there for a little bit and look at it, you know, up to the point that I can. Obviously, audio's not my forte, so I learn, a I learn what I can. But I will say stuff that I've seen from you guys, I've been on a show site and be like, hey, I, 
I know how this comes. I get this conversation now, you know, even from that one class uh, that we, you know, cool. I, I signed yeah. up for with you with this, with, I don't know, sound vision or sound, you were doing the EQ stuff. I don't remember which one it was. Yeah, it was one of the classes. It was, it was like a year ago. <laughs> okay. But I, I followed right. in you and me talked for like, like a bleep second. You're like, oh, oh shit, Omar's here. And then like you, by the way, I'm teaching class. But That's funny. I was in a, a pre-con with somebody and they were diving into those subjects. And I was like, oh, I know what he's talking about. You know, like, like mm-hmm. visually I knew what he was talking about, which was really cool. But it's, it's the, the double-edged sword, sorry, is that on the one side, I, I, I think as an engineer, a lot of the top ones, yourself, my, you know, myself, anybody who's, who's in doing classes, you always need to be learning to get better. The negative side to the way the AV educate does it right now, or that I feel is happening is that guys feel like they can go in there, read a couple of articles, see some YouTube videos. And then like, like, let me just use my, let's say minus 32, right? For example. I can go watch a ton of videos of that on Zoom. I can I can download the manual from AB Educate. I can I can um, dive some down some some paths and learn some things about EQ and hear from you guys and other guys. But my biggest saying always is like knowing what a fader does and when to use that fader, knowing what the EQ does and when to use the EQ properly. Those are two different things. So one you learn right by going to school by learning by doing the online side, and one you gain from the experience. And you and unfortunately for live, you need both. You know, you need, and school teaches you a lot of things, a lot of theory, a lot of theoretical. They give you some practice, which is good because then you, you, you get a, a, tech, a tactile feel to things, but it doesn't teach you, you know, as a video engineer, when I'm switching cameras, knowing when to take that, when the ca- when who's speaking on what, who's doing what camera to take, like knowing those moments is from experience. That's not because someone said, Hey, make sure your camera's looking. No, but there's multiple things going on. You know, I'm looking at, here's an example. And, and I've done this in, if you guys watch the um, Playback Pro class I, I've done, right? I, we did a walkthrough with Scott on, on the call with me. We did a walkthrough like in a live scenario. And I told you, okay, this is what I'm looking for. I'm looking for the colors in the image. I'm looking for the, I'm looking for the, you know, for camera example, I'll be looking for the focus, making sure my, my camera guys are in focus, making sure the image looks clear, making sure the white balance is clear. And I'm constantly re reevaluating this in my head, you know, looking at the shading of it. Is, is it too dark? Is it too bright? Is, is the shirt washed out? Is the background blurred out? You know, am I crushing the blacks? These are things I'm, actively thinking about while I'm taking that shot or before I take that shot. So I got someone, you know, in the queue ready to go to the next shot. Uh, these are all things I, I think about before I hit the next, next shot. And these are things that I've gained from experience because I know from experience, Hey, that guy's not ready at camera two. do a rack focus real quick. Camera one, I'm going to take your shot. Camera one, Hey, your camera one's live camera three X, you know, X, Y, Z, like it, it just builds sure. on each other and you're constantly checking these monitors. And the more cameras you have, the more things you have and hopefully like the max i've done by myself was six but i had a good team with me i had a, a separate guy shading thank god because that i would have been murdered to my brain but um <laughs> but again that's experience right like i can teach you how to shade i can teach you what a, a, a remote controller does an rcp does right to between the iris controls and the crushing the blacks and the colors and color balancing i can teach you those things but knowing when to do that and what settings to do for what scenarios because the thing with live is we constantly change the lighting, the background, the colors, the up lights, you know, am I doing LED lights in the back and I'm doing Fresnos in the front? Like that's two different color temperatures now. So now how do we, you know, how do we get the lighting guy to make sure, Hey, what are your, what is your blue in the background? What is that color temperature versus what you're doing in the front, which are these Farnells? And then what are the projectors doing so that my image still is clear when I balance the projectors or when I balance with the cameras? So like, there's a lot of variables you got to think you think of, and you don't get that in a class. You can get the knowledge for those things in bits and pieces and then utilize them live. But again, knowing when to utilize that knowledge is is the experience part that you need to get. And AV Educate, unfortunately, can't offer that all the time. We try to. You know, Clem does a really cool one with projection, for example, where he brings you to a live set 
and you you build on a live actual production and you build cameras and you set them up and you you get or, I'm sorry you build projectors you set up the projectors and you get to fine tune those things I've done this class as well that's how we became friends we we talk so behind the scenes and everything but those classes are great but they're also limited because now now you've learned this one way to do it for this live scenario but at least you've gained knowledge and experience in the real world but you need to keep building that and again that's the the double sword that you get to get that you gain the knowledge you need to be ready for that moment when it comes essentially but then gaining the experience to know when to do those things is, is another key that i think in the live side is very very important you just can't get anywhere else other than the way we do it essentially right i mean yeah yeah, and, and I want to ask you more about this experience, but I also want to jump back to something you mentioned earlier, which is I'm realizing now that one way that our paths are the same is that it sounds like you and I both had a kind of a life-changing event when the AV company that we were working for was bought out by PSAV, which probably has happened to a lot of people, and then it sort of changed your life. And for me, it meant I went back to working freelance, and it sounded like it did the same thing for you. Yeah, so I, so PSAV I, just goes around the world changing lives. Well, so they're <laughs> they're doing a big they're doing a big downsize right now, right? So I oh, forgot really? who I was talking to, but he was saying that yeah, they're going to downsize big time. So like now there's a market available, you know, not a market, but now there's an opportunity for some of these companies to come like a boutique AV for these hotels now, um, which is cool. But then again, it's like you're, they're going to let you kind of build your thing, and then they're going to you know be buy you out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But they're globally okay. now. I mean, and, and I, I don't dislike PSAV, right? They they have a model that, that works and they're massive and they're growing it. Maybe be a monopoly. I'm just gonna throw that out there. But they're growing it and they're doing it the legal ways. But yeah, I mean, I've done some stuff for PSAV. I have friends from PSAV. I have some very close friends that are higher up than PSAV who I talk to semi-frequently. They do some cool stuff, man. And and they have some good stuff. They, they, their show teams are actually pretty, pretty dope. Yeah, I didn't want to start like hating on them. I think... I. I'm sure they're all fine too. I'm, I just thought it was interesting that that happened to you in the same way it happened to me, that they, they bought the companies that we were working for and then that basically, however, it changed our lives. You, so, know, yeah. you went into freelance, I went into freelance. I don't know, so, so interesting. So a lot of people that I've met who I, I find to be really talented in the industry who are within PSAV and they were SAV for a while. There was a company prior to this, oh my God, I can't remember the name right now. A lot of people that I that I, I highly respect in the industry came from this one company, and they got bought out by PSAV years ago, a long time ago. But that that owner, you know, he got older and he decided, okay, I'm done with this industry. He sold it out. Um, he offered tons of training in house, offered tons of opportunities for people to like move up within the ladder. I think he did it very well. And I can't remember the name, and now it's gonna bother me the rest of this time. But anyways, it'll come to you. Yeah, hopefully. But um, there was there's a lot of people that I've met who started off with these guys and the same thing they 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 got bought out they left they freelance for a little bit and came back the the interesting thing from that is that there is a few people who i won't mention because they i think they're they're you know they're hesitant of it but that i've actually wanted to bring to to help admin av educate that are actually employees of psav who won't because of that fact and i hmm. i don't understand the full the full i guess reasoning behind that myself because like you and me it's like why hold yourself back over something that, you know, you're like, and you know what it was for me, honestly, it was that when that buyout happened, I didn't feel, so I, I knew the owner of SAV, I knew, I knew his family, we communicated, uh, I helped out a lot of stuff at the office and stuff. It, it, we, I had a good relationship with him, Paul Lowenthal, great guy. I, I just think he was, you know, tired of the constant, which I don't blame him. Coming from, you know, knowing my father and, and seeing what he sees on the back end of, of a company, 
people are, you know, people show the one face and then behind the curtains, there's another face. And a lot of times when you're the owner or something, you get to see the behind the, behind the curtains face. And it's not always the best. There are some very talented people in this industry who are super talented, super well respected, but behind the curtains, they can be a little bit of an asshole. Okay. <laughs> I'm just going to throw that out there. Like if you guys are running businesses. Sure, everybody's got their show face. Yeah, everybody's got their show face. Well, Omar, let's go back to talking about, you know, some of these things that you've learned through experience. So it's interesting that you've kind of grown up doing AV. Um, you've, you know how things work behind the scenes because of your dad owning this AV company. And now you're running AV Educate as well as like, you know, uh, working on production still. So I'm curious. I know there's, there's lots in, in your presentation at Lifestyle Summit was about this very topic, but I wondered if maybe you could just pick out like one or two, some of the biggest mistakes you see people making who are new to event production? Oh yeah. So the money, the biggest mistake is money. Don't chase it. And I, I, I think I was pretty big on that live event summit. I have Wait, a lot of people. Mean? So a lot of guys, what they end up doing, right, is they, they get in the industry and they see this, I could be making X amount of dollars and they will, they will cancel a show for another show because it's going to pay them more for maybe the same time frame. I'm a big proponent of don't do that because in this industry, we are small. We are primarily word of mouth. You know, I, I haven't paid for a single dollar for AV Educate or for myself to promote who I am. Everything I've done is through word of mouth. I met you through word of mouth. Or actually, I met you through ourselves. We connected, but uh-huh. it wasn't like, hey, I know Omar through it. No, we, we connected sure, prior to that. it's all personal referral. Right, it's all personal referral. So when you, when you accept a gig from somebody, they're trusting in your ability to do that, right? When it comes to labor labor pools, yes, you're a cog in a big wheel, but that labor provider is going to use you more if they can rely on you. If the, if they call you to book you on a show that's two, three weeks in advance and you call them a week before and say, Hey, I can't do this. Once in a blue moon, I, I understand it happens. Things, you know, things come up, right? Family comes up, opportunities that, you know, it's, it's not just the money, but it's the show that I'm going to be on. Like I'm going to be on this Microsoft show, man. I, I got it. Well, I'm surprised that you've seen this happen enough that it really stands out to you as one of the biggest problems, because I feel like I've only ever seen this happen once on a show that I was working on and the like projectionist quit, you know, a week before, two weeks before, and he basically became blacklisted and we were all talking about it. Like, yeah, we're not going to contract this guy with this guy anymore. That was still when I was working for an AV company and I was like, wow, I'm never going to do that. And that was the only time I've ever seen that. So apparently you've seen this happen a lot more than me. Yeah. So on the more, so yeah, so I'll, I guess I'll, I'll go into little details about it. Right. In your scenario. Yeah. I don't see that very often where guys are specialized in something. I don't see them calling out or changing schedules because they they've learned it. But the, the stagehand guys who I, I've sometimes had to deal with, Including when I was, again, with SAB at the Found Blue, it happened a lot to us. You know, we would call guys ahead of time. We actually, it got, we got so proficient at what we were doing there that the company let us kind of run our own, our own property. We had brought in a girl who did a great job for us just to do labor. And it was constantly like, hey, I called XYZ person. They agreed to this. And now yesterday they told me they can't do it because they have a better paying gig. So what am I do? I go, uh, well, I mean, he disagreed. So I said, put him at the bottom of the list. That was my first, you know, since it, if it was somebody I knew that I worked with a lot and it was just like a one-off thing, I, I, some, I'll call them and let them know like, hey man, you can't be doing that. But um, but if you're not, yeah, I see it a lot on my side, but mainly, mainly with stagehand guys. Okay, so more for generalists and not kind of specialists. Yeah. So you were hired for a specific, okay, got it, got it. Correct, generalists. The more specialized guys, not so much. Usually when you're specialized, it's for something in particular. So that's a little bit different. But a lot of the generalists, I just stagehand level guys that I, I try to bring up to that technician level side. Uh, a lot of those guys I see it happening a lot. And I feel like 
they end up getting stuck in that repetitive cycle because they keep canceling and it's like okay well and then those are the guys that are constantly calling you for work because they can't get work because like yeah but if when i call you you don't always follow through you okay. know so it's 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 a building relationship thing for me that's that's the biggest one that sure. yeah that's the, the the biggest mistake i see the a lot of guys make person guys. of your word i guess yeah uh, a lot of people listening now are like hey i'm a sound engineer why do these guys keep talking about video what the hell's going on okay well we are going to not talk about audio today but we are going to be talking more about kind of this idea of of building your career and and this can be maybe kind of a weird thing to talk about right now during a, a quarantine where not a lot of people are working, but it's still so important. And when we do get back to working and being busy and, you know, there's plenty of AV companies out there that are, that are doing live streaming and broadcast stuff right now. So it's not that people aren't working. It's just that things are really slow right now. And so I still think this topic of how to be a successful AV technician and basically grow your career is really important because there's no, there's no resource out there for, for this. Everyone just kind of has to figure it out on their own by making mistakes and and then eventually Omar calls you and he says hey man you can't be doing that anymore so <laughs> so your um presentation at live sound summit this year was called 10 rules to be a successful av technician or that was one of the subtitles and so i just wanted to dive into a couple of them that that sort of caught my eye so at one point you said no one notices if you are 30 minutes early but just get there 10 minutes late and you stand out as being late. Stand out for being a great technician, not for being late. So I think this is a great quote to sort of jump into this topic of growth in our industry. So at some point, everyone who works in this industry has this realization where, oh, it's really hard to be remarkable and stand out in a job where basically success is defined by being invisible, right? Because if I do a good job, then no one knows that there's any problems with the sound and the sound just happens and people think that it's just magic sound and they go home and they they don't even know that there is such a thing as a sound engineer or, or a sound system. So if we only get noticed for mistakes, showing up late, microphone feedback, audio dropouts, whatever, what is the motivation for me to become, you know, high performing and, and to grow and get better and, and to, to work harder? How can I, I guess what I'm wondering is, is it possible to have a successful career if I'm a mediocre tech, but I just like show up early and wear the right clothes? Yeah. So, uh, you know, <laughs> I mean, yes, un- unfortunately it is because here's, here's another thing too. I, I know some super talented, like genius level engineers that, they charge a hefty amount and they get paid for here and there. Right. And it's great, but they don't always get called because they're not the best to hang around with. So like the other coin to this again, with their reputation building is that if you're going to be on the road a lot, if you're going to be uh, running with a crew or being called a lot, you've also got to be a, a, a personable person. Like if you're going to be the guy that's always grumpy and talking shit and like the clients, are like, Hey, this guy's always an asshole or he's, you know, he's cursing all day long or he's, he's being rude to the clients or he's, he's always spewing paranoia stuff. You may not get as many calls, but if you're the guy, oh, every time work comes out, we have a good time. He's a hard worker. He's hustling. Uh, he always helps out when he always pitches in. He's always there. You're going to get more calls because you're just good to hang around with. Like that's the other thing in this industry that guys don't understand. We, we build these, these, uh, niches, these, these clicks to the point to where I, I have people that I call to, Hey, I can't do this gig. I got you. Don't worry. I'll call one of my, one of my companies that I know will provide either my level of service or better than me. And help that same client out because I'm not worried about the money side of this. I'm not worried about any, I'm worried about helping that person out because they know 
hey, if Omar can't do it, he's going to get me the right person who's going to still perform to the level I want or that I need. But if you're just a, you know, an asshole guy that shows up late and doesn't do his job and you smell like crap and you, you don't look presentable when you go to the job site, I, why, why am I going to keep calling you? I need hands. Yeah. When I need a, 80 hands? Oh, you're, you're on the list because I need hands. But when I need like a small strike team or a small, you know, handful of guys, I'm going to call the guys that, that I know are going to represent me well for recommending you. Because it's still, the thing about this whole industry, it's still relationship based. Like that whole nonsense about, you know, it's, it's just business. That's out the door now. It's, at least not in this industry. It's about relationships. And if you are working for somebody, whether it's a labor company, your friend or a company directly, if you don't present yourself well in all aspects, not just in the technical side, to their client, to the people that are around you, to the client's client, to your own client. Why, why am I going to keep calling you? One and two, especially if I'm going on the road with you, I don't want to hire someone who's going to be boring or a pain in my ass or going to cause problems on show site. Like, I don't want to be seven days, I don't want to be in a plane, in a hotel, and in a ballroom with you for seven days straight if I got to be like, oh, I'm with this. Okay, whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah do your thing. You know, I want to be like, yo, Nathan. Yeah. Hey, man, good to see you. Let's go have some breakfast. Let's chill for a little bit. Let's get our, let's do let's do some work. You know, I want to be able to have fun with you and back you up on anything. Oh, we missed a cue, mm, but you didn't give him the stuff on time. You you just came up to him right now. Not oh, we, he missed a cue. Oh, I don't know, man. That guy, I don't know. But if we're friends and we're sociable, right? It's like it's like, well, you know, hold on. There's 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 some backstory. Nathan didn't just miss something. Something happened. You know. If I don't like you, oh yeah, I don't know. He just missed it. Fuck, fuck that guy. <laughs> you know, like, like yeah. it changes the conversation. It changes the way you work with people. So I think having that cohesiveness of of team, a team player, team, you know, hard worker, and just being a a person that's good to be around and that people talk about in a in a good way builds that reputation you have and helps you move forward in your career. The other thing too is again, like like what you're doing, and what I'm doing, like learn what you can so that when those problems arise. Or, or yeah, rise. You have the you have the knowledge to help fix it, and then you become the the go to guy. Hey, I need Omar to go on all my show sites, or I need Nathan because every time I have a problem in these breakouts, that guy real quick solves my problems, and the client always gives me go. Oh yeah, dude, that guy you had on here, whew, saved us on so many occasions. Not oh yeah, you gave me this one guy in the breakout. We had so many problems with him. He didn't even help us. Like he just oh well, my job is the is the console. I don't mm, I don't know what's going on with that. That's not my problem. If you're that guy, yeah. I don't want to hire you're you as talking, much. Uh, Sorry, as you're talking, I'm realizing like a part of this is that a lot of people, including the client, don't really understand the technical side of what we do, but it's really clear to them the the personal or relationship side of what we do, which is a big part of our job. And so that's really the part that, that stands out. And so you can't really be a successful tech and be a dick. And here's the thing for the audience. <laughs> well, and, and I'm glad you said it that way too, because I no, love. Fortunately, fortunately, sorry. But here, take here's, that back. here's the crazy part, right? And this is coming from from Nathan directly, right? You said it in a in a beautiful way. You you, you strung those words together great. As an audio engineer, and you tell me if I'm wrong, you guys are always front of house, right next to the client. Yeah. So even more pressure for you to be the go to guy for me because you're going to be sitting with my client the entire event video guys we're in the back we can be a little bit grumpy because no one's really hanging out with us right <laughs> but audio you're right it's like it's like the, the call right i'm the client you're you're the engineer i, I gotta talk to you 24 7 if you're an asshole i'm gonna definitely let my hey that guy you hired no he was great but i don't like him he was an asshole to me the entire time like you have the extra pressure of you are in the client literally next to them the almost the entire show and maybe not directly you might be like two rows down but you're still close enough where they know who you are they know your face they know your voice right you're you're that guy 
And if, if, if I hire you and you go out there and you don't perform well and the client gives me some bad report, I can't, I can't bring you back. And not because you're not talented at your, you, you could be the best in the world. You could be literally an award-winning audio engineer. The client doesn't like you. The client doesn't like you, unfortunately. And like you're saying, they don't care about the skill sets. They don't care about any of that. They want to have somebody that, that doesn't cause feedback and that gets their cues done at the right time. That's it. And they want to have someone that they, they can talk to and it's nice to them and socialize with them. And it, it's, you know, it's a copacetic environment. That's it. So, Amar, another one of the quotes that really stood out for me from your presentation is this one. The opposite of networking is not working. So what are some simple things that I can do on a regular basis, either from home or on a show, that will help me build relationships without feeling gross? And I'm especially asking this question for, you know, myself 10 years ago, or myself 15 or 20 years ago when I was starting out and initially thinking that networking meant send my resume to a few people. And then if that didn't work out, then obviously the world was against me and I was a victim. So I know there's some things that you talked about in your presentation. So I was wondering if you could share some of those with us. Yeah. So, you know, the one thing I, 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 I've said repeatedly here is, is be, a, be a hard worker and be the go-to guy. You don't have to exactly send out that resume there there are ways to do that proactively right to just help you continue to stay in people's minds to be active right like the availability reports the invoicing creating you know sending a proper invoice sending a proper availability report so your clients know when you're available when you're not that that does two things it helps you stay relevant in their minds and helps to know your schedule but well can we get into that for a second i know you want to go on from there but that was one of the things i was hoping you would get into in a little bit more detail because the way that you a lot of people a, don't know about this, and B, the way that you do it is really nice and, and easy for people to understand. So talk about how you do your availability port, how you format it, how often you send it, what is it, that kind of stuff. Yeah, so I, I don't have an exact formula, right? This is kind of my my technique, I guess, right? So I have an Excel sheet that I created. It has the whole year listed on there, and in that whole year, every cell, right? So it's like the month, and it's all blank at the top, and then all the days are right below it. And that that space gives you gives you that kind of the eyes to separate between just a bunch of numbers on top of each other, right? So it's like space, numbers, space, numbers. Every month has a certain amount of days, right? Either 31 days or 20, 28 days. Um, and then I just use two colors. Red means I'm booked, green means pending. And then, and then at the within five days at the end of the month, I send it out to an, e an email chain I have individually, right? I have a, a notes page that has all the emails from my, my main clients that hire me, and I'll send them that out. And then the first five days of the month, or, you know, give or take five days of the month, I will, I will just do a follow-up. Hey, just follow up on you. I sent you a video report. Do you have any dates on me? If it's someone who's pending them right now, that's part, hey, are those pending dates confirmed or not? If someone has dates to say, hey, these are confirmed, I'll say, hey, by the way, I have somebody else who has confirmed these dates. If that show's not confirmed yet, you know, should I take those dates or not? And most clients will tell me, hey, if you got something confirmed already, go ahead and take it. So that works out too, because then it, then it eliminates that I'm trying to take other work. It's not that. It's like, hey, they have a confirmed. Yeah, you're trying to manage your calendar and help them. To, with exactly. And then the okay. other thing too yeah. is I, I will mark days in there for myself. Like, oh, I'm booked those days, but it's personal days, you know? I'll mark those in as like, I can't work that day. So then, and then it becomes, you know, a, a way to not be intrusive about it and not be on them about it. Because then if they don't respond, they don't respond. It's not a big deal. You know, we'll talk later about it. They might come and say, hey, by the way, do you still have these dates? You, I remembered about it, you know? You're just you're just on their minds, but you're not, you know, you know, you're planting that seed to grow, but you're not you're not calling them last minute for stuff. And they're like, well, I've heard from you all, you know, in half a year, and now you're calling me? Like, who are you? At least that way, right. it's not passive, but it's also not aggressively doing anything. But you're, but you're being active on your end to secure yourself work. 
And the other thing too is clients start to see that, oh, Omar's getting booked more and more and more. Nathan's getting booked more and more and more. Let me get him in some dates because obviously he's a sought after engineer. He's, he must be good at what he does, you know? Well, one of the things that we talked about, I'm remembering now during Lifestyle Summit, is that what you don't understand, at least what I didn't under, I should just speak personally, what I didn't understand for probably the first five years of work is that the way personal referral works and the way hiring gets done is not like every time there's a show, you know, the production manager or the, you know, TD or whatever, they don't just look through their entire Rolodex of all people and say like, who's going to be the best position for this? And then like narrow it. They don't, they don't do that. They, they think of like the last person that they talk to, it pops into their head. Oh, I just talked to Omar. I'll give him a call. And like, that's how that works. And so just with so many people, it's, it's not a meritocracy, you know? And once you realize that and sort of accept it, then you kind of can, can start looking to do these little things like you're doing to try to tilt the scales a little bit in your favor, or as I've heard other people say, grow your luck surface area so that, you know, so, so I'm sorry, go ahead. I just wanted to point that out, that that is a lot of what's happening is that you're sort of reminding people you are alive and available and still working. Correct. Yeah, no, and it, it's hundred percent. And just to jump on that as well, you know, I, and again, again, I'm, I'm going to toot my own horn here. I think I have a badass resume, right? I have six years of military <laughs> service, <laughs> Yeah. I, combat veteran. I'm a father. I have two degrees. I have numerous awards. I literally get a certification at least once a year for the AV industry. So I have numerous, sort of, I have over two dozen certifications for the AV side. I have a dozen other certifications for other things. While I was in the military, I earned a bunch of certifications. I have a, 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 a plethora of awards. I've been in GQ magazine. I've been in um, numerous articles right now for AV Educate. Like tons of things I can add to that resume that make me look and stand out. No one's gonna look at that. You know how many? I have what's called a life book, and I, I wish I would have I would have had it here. If, if we have time, maybe some other time, I'll, I'll pull it out. But what's a life book? So a life book is is all your achievements and accomplishments in a booklet, and mine's just thick. Mine's just really thick. Oh, okay. All my certifications, my degrees, my certificate, all of it, my, my social security, my birth certificate, like my whole life is in there. It's on paper. Um, so if I want to do identity theft of you, I got to go get that. Yeah, pretty much. That, that's my whole <laughs> okay. life. Right there, yeah. No, you could. It's why it's, that's why I'm saying if you want to bring it out, it's in a save. It's all cool. It takes me a few minutes. All right. Show each page in front of the camera. Go ahead. <laughs> but the book is, it's literally this thick and I, and I bring it to job interviews to say, Hey, if you have any questions about my resume, I can back it up with like physical stuff. Never, never in my entire career, uh -huh. I'm 32 years old, has anyone been like, yeah, let me go through it. Nope. Yeah. And so the book's really for me to be like, oh, look at my ego. Yeah, it's stroking my own ego here. <laughs> um, no one cares. Amazing. But like you're saying, I get referred by a highly skilled engineer or I get referred by you or I get referred by anybody. They're like, wait a minute, you know what? He must be good because he was recommended by this guy who I know is already good, you know, and who I, and then the, the, the other thing too is, and this is the hard part of this too, because again, it's a double-edged sword. You are literally, literally judged on the last show you did. So if you did the last show that was great, stay in that contact's mind because they're like, oh, that show they did was great and the next show was great. You do that one bad show, if it's one out of like, I don't know, 24, you might sure. be good. If it's one out of like three, you might want to give a discount on your own invoice. Like, ah, oh, you know, I'm fucked up a little, blah, blah. If it, if it wasn't your fault at 100%, the client was like on your side, then you're good. But again, that's how they judge you. Oh, I never had a problem with Omar. I never had a, like I have one client who hired me would book out my month because I was just clients always loved me. Always got good feedback. I always did my job. I, I'm such a you know well-rounded video engineer that I could go to any position. I may not be the best at that position, but hey, this guy's not handling or he's not cutting it or da da. I'm gonna throw you in there. No worries, I got you. 
you know? I had a student tell me once that the best way to build your career is to basically do a lot of learning and make a lot of mistakes in one city and then move and build your career so you have like a blank slate. And I was like, oh, that kind of makes sense because yeah, it's true. Like if you kind of make a mistake or, or you leave a negative reputation in one place, like you might not get called and it might be hard for you to ever get called at that place again, no matter how good you get in other places. And, you know, we've all had that experience where we get called to work for a company for the first time and we make some small mistake, but because that was the first time and, and they don't know who we are or anything about us, like we don't get called again because they have other people they can call that, that that hasn't happened with them with. So it's just good to remember that, there, you know, there's always more opportunities. And I'm not saying that, that everyone should do that and move. I'm basically just like using that story to highlight this, to basically prove what you're saying, you know, that that like it doesn't always work out and that's how people are judging you is like the thing that you did last yeah well so let's finish up this um your your details of how you do the availability reports you've got this excel sheet you're sending out to people you're doing a quick follow-up and any other details about how you execute on that and i'm also curious like you know what results you're seeing from that? Do you see it working well yeah so i mean obviously not right now but usually what ends up happening is i book out my whole year and usually i book out my whole year before the year's even started that's that's how that works out. So what I ended up doing, and this I started this four years ago. I started doing it, and about three years ago is when I really like heavily focused on it. And it's probably been the number one thing in my career that's that's helped me. To be honest, I I did a little a stint with a buddy of mine. Where I was kind of like permalancing with him, and I did like three months where I was like, hey, I'm booked out the rest of three months to all my clients. And then at like the beginning of the year, I raised my rates and said, oh, by the way, I'm raising my rates. Here's a new rate sheet. If you guys agree to this, I'll send an availability report. And then like there forward, I just, I've always had my whole years booked out. And right. usually what ends up happening is, you know, key events in my life, because I, I have a daughter, obviously, as you saw, key events in my life, I, I'll book out. So it, it also looks like I'm busy already because I always have like her birthday, you know, around her birthday when I was married, you know, my anniversary, I, I had like, you know, four days booked out just for those scenarios so that I could be home with them. So it already looked like, oh shit, he's already got dates for next year. Like, let me get him in there before someone else takes up those dates. And then a lot of times too, you also get like, hey, I have a pending show possible. Can you please pencil in it for me? So then those penciled in ones look really good too, because it's like, okay, he's got these pending stuff. There, people are thinking about you. And then I guess the multiplier to that is now you send that out to the same client, like, oh shit, I still have one more for these dates. Cool, he's still available for me. Until you had that conversation, you're saying, hey, uh, I got this other one that might be happening. What, you know, you confirmed or not? So like, it also multiplies every year after that, because then you, they start seeing, okay, he's more and more busy. He's getting more scheduled out. And then for you, it's easier too, because then you 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 can at least give yourself a base idea of what you're going to be making for the year, right? Like, oh, if I do X amount of days this year at this rate without OT, I should make about X amount this month. You can kind of schedule sure. your stuff around that. Helps um, with planning. Yeah. Helps you yeah. planning on your end too a little bit. Yeah. So it's great. The, 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 um, I guess the downside, which is again, you have to work on your contract side for that is when you do have that kind of scheduled lifestyle, I guess you could say having a, a, a fallback for when something cancels on you last minute and being able to recover something from that. And most clients, I still get a percentage of that pay if they cancel on me. And then I just take a little mini vacation, stay home. Or I <laughs> nice. make some phone calls and I do some labor stuff. But, you know, the the availability report, you know, I'm not sure. I don't know if I created that idea. I might have gotten it. I got it from somebody else actually on, on Facebook. Sure. Um, but he didn't, you know, he didn't share me the Excel sheet. So I created my own version of it, did my own things. I'm not sure how he utilizes it directly. 
But uh, it was something I found online, and a guy said, "Yeah, this is how he kind of gave like a synopsis of what he does with it." And then I just did my own twist to it with my own version. You know, I, my version has like a logo in it for myself, and like my contact information at the bottom, just in case anything. And I will tell you what ends up happening is between those ten day periods that you're sending it and following up, you will get calls for dates. Once you start doing it, give it a good six months, focus on it for six months, right? Just to get it out there. If and here's here's the other thing too. I'll say right now honestly is the best time to build whatever it is you're doing whether you want to stay navy or not if you gotta get a job part-time or full-time right now just to make ends meet great do that still dedicate two to three hours to building your brand as an av person so that when we do get busy we're busy again and send out your stuff now to, to your clients anyways build your list up think of who you're talking to think of who your clients are whose contacts you have think of your friends that are close by that, that may be able to get you work too and start sending those out and get feedback on it Right now is the time to do a little bit of messing up between how that works out. Figure out a system that works for you. Get yourself organized. I have, you know, a Google Drive that's massive. I, I myself, because of AV Educate and the Live Events Coalition that I, I, oh, I own AV Educate, but I'm, I help manage the Live Events Coalition. I have a um, Agile CRM now, or a CRM, but I use Agile, but it's a CRM, and I'm using that to manage my, my, my business more effectively because I was doing everything in Google Drive, which was great. And then I learned a better way and now I'm doing that. And I have the time to focus on it and do it correctly. <laughs> sure. And not just kind of like when I get to it, I get to it. And I'm like, now I'm struggling to build two different platforms up. You know, I took mm -hmm. the time to learn a little bit more about QuickBooks. I use QuickBooks for all my, my billing stuff. I've learned a lot more interesting things that I can utilize now moving forward, including, you know, not just my invoicing side and my billing side and my, or my bookkeeping and the invoicing, but also on the proposal side for stuff. So like I've learned a lot of little tricks now that I can utilize for when we get busy again. I'm not here like, how do I do this? Let me figure this out real quick. No, because I've taken the time now to do it. If you're going to start a business and you have some some cash flow, you know, if you're getting unemployment, and I don't know if about your state, but like my state in Florida, an LLC costs like 120 bucks, 150 bucks online. Boom. EIC, go to the IRS.com. I'm sorry, get your EIN, go to the IRS. It's free. Look at the banks. Look at what bank you want to do business with. Boom. Now you have a business. Now you have a, a, steady, a, a steady source of income. Start learning about how to do that business stuff. It's not very hard. This is the time to do it where you're not going to be double down between having to work full time, having to get gigs, having to get money and do all stuff and kind of dedicate your time to learning this process to your to what you need for your situation and what you think you're going to have when, when an industry comes back. I, I, for me, I've been using this as a great opportunity to build. You know, I've, I've I don't want to say doubled, but I've grown to be educated a lot um, and I've been doing a lot more stuff with it and collaborating a lot more people and just talking, get, just start calling people. You know, it's not hard to pick the phone. Call your friends who you used to work with. Just check up on them. Have a conversation with them. See how they're doing. You'd be surprised how many people I've talked to are like, oh, I, I started talking with XYZ. I haven't seen him. Now we're starting a business together. We're going to try to work together. There's people that need people to, to work with them. And I think this is the time to do it where we're all in the same, we're all kind of in the same boat right now, right? Unless you already had tons of money. We're all in the same boat. We're all struggling together and people are collaborating together and forming relationships and they're building on it. And when we get back, those are going to grow into something more and they're going to be, they're going to be beneficial. So, yeah. you know, a lot of audio guys, and I don't know if you do this anybody, um, a lot of the guys that know their audio, they have partnerships with other, other guys. So they share in the expenses and the, and the profits of things and they have all been set up. You might want to do that for your end. Maybe, you know, some of the labor companies now with the whole California laws and stuff coming out, they're changing the way they do things, right? They're, they're making you a W-2. You don't have your own insurance. If you have an insurance, you just look at 1099, get 1099, you get more money. W-2, you make less because they're covering you on the insurance. Maybe you want to partner up with somebody so that your insurance is lower so that you're splitting the cost of that insurance so you both have it. You can both still make 1099 money and then you both are working together and now your expenses are cut in half. Or you get with four of your buddies that you trust that are going to work together and you guys can build together. And then as you guys buy gear together, you can kind of 
outsource together. Like this is the time to do that with your friends and figure out who you can trust and who you can rely on. Who you can do these partnerships with, or not. But if you're not, if you're just sitting there doing nothing, I mean, you're not, you're not benefiting yourself. You're not, you're not going to improve when you get back. The, the point is, is that you can take the time now to get ready for when we do come back into it. And yeah, listen, I'm, I, I'm hustling. I'm working literally ten to ten between AVA Educate. I'm sure Nathan has a crazy schedule as well to just continue to give back to the community and grow that community the best I can. I make pennies off of anything I do. You know, the AV swag stuff makes pennies. The podcast makes pennies. Well, the podcast makes me nothing right now because no one's podcasting. But I, I make pennies off of those things. But those pennies, I didn't take out money for the longest time. And now, or last month, I cashed them all out. And it wasn't a huge chunk, but it was enough to like get me to the next month. And sure. um, I've been taking side gigs here and there doing other things to make ends meet, you know, all the time. So like, I'm still hustling to do things. I am lucky or lucky and unlucky, right? I am lucky that at this point in the scenario, I have lost everything. I'm living in my father's other house. I, the only thing I have left that's a bill is my phone and my car. Everything else, the house, the house that I had, it, it's all gone. So I'm unlucky that I, that happened to me, but I'm also lucky that I am at the bottom now. So my bills are very little. So it doesn't take much for me to, to, to survive. And what I'm paying here is the utilities, which is not a lot, it's not cheap, but it's, I need to, you know, I need to hustle to make ends meet here. So I'm very fortunate with that. Uh, again, lucky, unlucky at the same time. Right. And I don't think a lot of people are just sitting at home doing nothing, but I definitely feel like a lot of us are trying to figure out what we can be doing. Like we want to be in action. And so I love that you're just like sharing some ideas of what you've been doing and what you've been seeing other people do. That's really helpful. Yeah. I mean, so we've been getting guys motivated too. Sorry. We've been getting guys motivated with the AB Tech Talks, which I started that out of a collaboration between Chris and Ed, we started doing what's called AB Tech Talks and guys are sharing information with the community. They're literally sharing. We've shared OBS. We've shared the A10 minis. We've shared, I'm trying to think what we shared that we not. So we have things coming up, right? Like Maluin's coming up right now. We have a uh, networking 101 coming up right now. A couple other things coming up that are down the road. Watch out a Resolum class. Um, we're trying to get a VMix class right now, but like these are actively guys in the community that are essentially promoting themselves, right? Cause I'm giving them a platform to say, hey, if you're skill set in this, oh, we just, the last one we just did was Q-Labs with Ori. He did a very yeah. cool intro to Q-Labs. So if you're an audio guy and you use Q-Labs, there's a whole two hour segment on that. We open it to community for Q&A. That, those are, those guys are networking, right? They're, they're showing the community, hey, I'm competent in this. If you know somebody, hit me up or, you know, if I, one of my clients, not my clients, but one of the AV educates, you know, there's a lot of PMs on there. There's a lot of uh, clients on there. Maybe they saw that video and say, oh, you know what? Let me get Sky Orwich information down. Let me hit him up because when I get some work, I'm going to call that guy up because he knows how to use that program. And I use that. I, I get called for a lot of that stuff, you know? Cool. And now he's got yeah. this, this plethora of things. So he's he's keeping his skill set sharp. He's keeping his his name out there, essentially. And he's growing himself. And anybody can do this. Use 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 the platform to promote yourselves if you want to. I, I'm yeah. all about it. So Okay. So if you're listening right now and you want to hear the rest of the 10 rules for being a successful AV technician, and you want to see Omar, you know, go into detail about how he uses this availability report and you want to get it actually uh, his copy, his template of that, you can do that over at livesoundsummit2020.soundsdesignlab.com. That's where all of the replays are from the Live Sound Summit. So Omar, I know you have this life book of all these amazing things that you've done and it's super thick but just like everyone else, I'm sure there are times when things have not gone so well. So I wondered if you would share one of those with us. So what's one of the biggest or maybe most painful mistakes you've made on the job and how did you recover? Oh man. So in November, 
I oh, lost, wow, recent. Okay. Yeah, recent. I lost my family. And I don't know if that's the right way to say it, but my partner and me separated um, because yeah. I was I was working so much. I was the director of a company in Orlando. I was living in, in Miami. I had the house. I had the cars. I had tons of money in the bank. I provided everything except for myself. She, I guess, was fed up with it and was trying to sh- communicate in a way that she thought would, would resonate with me. And I, I misinterpreted that because I wasn't around enough to receive that. After the separation, we had a kind of like a deep talk about everything, you know, like, you know, what was going on, you know, a lot of, a lot of it was my fault. Uh, so I don't blame her for anything. I don't blame what's going on. She, you know, raised my daughter a lot by herself. So she felt like a single mother a lot. Um, I wasn't around. Yeah, I was around hundred percent financially. I gave her everything, even in separation. I gave her everything in the separation, but my time. And even when I was home, uh, again, it's uh, why I say it's our passion. When I was home, I was working on AV Educate. So it's like you were here, but you weren't really here because you were focused. And I was like, right, which, which she admitted, like, it's, it's something I love about you. You have a drive that, you know, I don't see anybody because you're, you're constantly moving forward. You're constantly working on something. You're constantly reading a book, you're constantly learning. I have like a routine you know, in the morning. I read, I get up like five, six in the morning every day, read a book, I do a workout and I get to work. Um, and I can do this all day. This is my, this is honestly, this is my comfort zone, but I wasn't present as a father. I wasn't present as a partner and I lost that. And it was a big lesson for me in life because I was told that a lot with a lot of engineers and a lot of people. And I was like, ah, my, my, my mind's is good. Like mine gets it. She knows I'm hustling for us. Like I, she's covered no matter what. And she was, you know, I mean, anything you think about that you need in a family, I was paying for it. You know, whatever you needed, here's the bank. Here's like an extra card. I gave her like, go out to eat, take out, do whatever you want. I'll cover all of it. Um, and she was working. She was a teacher. So she also had her own money, but I wasn't there and it took a toll. You know, and it was, we were together for six years, took a toll on her. She just couldn't do it anymore. She, she just didn't see me slowing down. She tried to be more supportive of it. She tried to be more understanding of everything. And it's like, the more she, she felt like the more she supported me and understanding me, the more I worked harder, which was true. I, I did. I felt like her way of communicating was me saying like, Hey, I, I, I support you in what you're doing. I, you know, keep doing it. So I worked harder. I traveled more. I, I made us more money, but she was trying to say like, I'm supporting you so that you come home more to us and spend time with us. And it was kind of um, a realization. She 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 left me, and she's with somebody else um, who gives her that time. Uh, you know, he works nine to five, gets off work, you know, spends the rest of the day with her, which is fantastic. It's what she wants, what she loves. You know, her. If you guys have read the uh, the book called The Five Love Languages, I highly recommend it. I read it a long time okay. ago, and I didn't I didn't apply I didn't apply it correctly myself because I I didn't I missed it because I wasn't there. It's plain, I would just I wasn't there to to get it correctly. FaceTiming is great with my daughter. Talk with her was great. Uh, calling is great, FaceTime is great, but it wasn't enough because you're not physically there presently. And it's one of the things that I've, I'm, I'm working on now with the girl that I'm with now. Um, she is similar to me. She's a workaholic, you could say, but she also understands spending time with my daughter, spending time with her. Uh, so I have a cutoff like at eight o'clock now. <laughs> like no matter what's going on, like you need to, at eight o'clock okay. you're done, and she'll come in and sure. she'll harass me. So I have my one day is on Mondays when I do the talks that she lets me stay on a little bit longer. But at nine o'clock she's like. I'm going to get in that camera and like be nice about it, but that's your cue to get off. <laughs> and it works. It's like, the girls are here. I got to go guys. I'm really, really sorry, you know, but it's been working now, you know, after a few months, I've gotten more used to it. And I, and I, I kind of like, oh shit, eight o'clock. I got to get off. I got to, you know, do dinner, spend time with my kid, watch a movie, sit with her and enjoy the time that I have with her. Because, you know, for five years, I just, I was around, but I wasn't around. And it was definitely a hard thing in my life to, to accept, especially because 
the I think the 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 nail to the coffin was my when my dad was like, I told you. And I was like, What? Like, no, man. I thought I was doing it better. You know, like, oh, I'm second I'm I'm not second, I'm third generation right now. I thought I was doing it better. And he's like, You made the same mistakes I made with your mother. And I was like, Man. Yeah, okay. Oh, like okay. I had to just accept it, right? Like, yes, you're right. I did. You're right. Got it. Like still like I'm your father, I'm still I, I still know what's you know, I was like oh fine you're right yeah, you're yeah, right yeah, okay yeah. you got it that's hard you know it was, it was hard but it was also like you know what all right so now moving forward i need to manage that better and i try to manage my time as best i can you know which is again why i did the, the agile thing now the crm to help like schedule myself because i was doing all through notes and calendars and it works mm-hmm. out pretty well the way you do it is awesome by the way with the emailing and all that stuff i should totally up my game but i'm i'm a long way away from that but uh <laughs> but yeah the the <laughs> I guess that's my biggest thing. And, and yeah, that's a huge wake up call. Just like ha- all this thing, all this stuff that you thought you were doing it for. And then it got all taken away and you're like, oh, wow. So n- and now it's a, what it's am a I man doing thing, it right? Like, yeah, you know, I hope women, women hear this, but it, it's, it's a total men mentality. Like I felt like I had to be the provider because I was the man and really we were both providing. And I, and I, and again, I was never like, Oh, I'm going to pay for everything. No, I just did it. Like, I just, I didn't even say anything. I, I'm, I'm Latin. I just did it because I was, that's the mentality. Like, I got to give everything to my family. I got to provide for them. I got to work to make this money because they need it. And it was like, no, man, I had a partner. She was working. We both had income. I didn't have to work so hard. That's why she was working. And it's, fu- and it's funny because in hindsight, right? When we first had my daughter, I told her not to work. Hey, don't, don't worry about it. Take, take, stop working. I'll pay for everything. I'll take care of everything. She went back to work because she wanted to work. And I said, great, go back to work. Yeah, we could totally use the extra money, right? We'll use your money for savings and for playtime. We'll just, for whatever you guys want to do. And then it was like, man, she, she went back to work. She started making money. We we put it in savings. We used it to, to cover some bills when, when we were short for any reason. We had a guest house that we were managing that we were making money off of. Like it was, it was a sweet deal. Um, but again, I wasn't around. And when things came up with that house, it was like, oh, we'll just throw money at it and I'll have someone go out there instead of me. And instead of her being like, I was trying to get you to come home and, and like take time to work on the guest house so that you could be here. And I was like, oh, yeah, I didn't see it that okay. way. So, wow. All right, Omar, man, such a good story. Thank you for sharing that with us. Let's, let's move into talking a little bit more about the future. Lou sent in this question, Lou Coley from Seattle. He kind of wants you to look into a crystal ball. So I don't know if you, I don't know if you have anything to say about this, but you've been talking to a lot of people. You probably have a, a, a better kind of sense of where things are going than some of us. So he says, what does he see happening in the future with everyone looking for work and a glut of experienced folks also competing for a limited number of jobs? How can you stand out in the crowd? Yeah. So I'll look into the crystal ball and you're not gonna like the answers. So if you weren't getting hired a lot before, I mean, it's the truth. If you weren't getting hired a lot before, you're probably not going to have work right now. If you were a stagehand that wasn't getting called all the time, you're probably not gonna get those right now. The companies that either furloughed or let their employees go, they're going to call those people first, back first, right? They're going to give to their people first. So if you were full-time with the company, you might be getting those calls already to do stuff to come back in. If you were not full-time with the company, you were a freelancer like the rest of us, and you weren't a go-to person, you're probably not going to be one right now. So hustle, 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 and find some work. But keep yourself relevant. Use social media to your advantage to say, hey, I'm still doing stuff. I have got, I, I've been doing volunteer training classes. I've been doing... If you guys watch anything with OPAV out of Orlando or anything with iHeartRadio, I did a whole almost three months of streaming content of concerts. Every band that they were doing to, you know, to OPV channel, we did behind the scenes Twitch channel 
of like actual, which is really cool, man. So we did, and I'll start, I'll get off tangent for a second. Um, we did a really cool thing where I got comms, I got the approval from, from the company to do put comms into a, a, a live feed, a party line of everybody, including the multi viewer from the camera's view. And you were able to go to the Twitch feed and, and get, as we were live playing live to Facebook and YouTube, you can go to Twitch and see behind the scenes of what we were doing. And listening no to the conversation. That's yeah. so cool. Yeah. And this all right, is well, an all volunteer event. Can I still did. watch this? Yeah. If you go to, I'd have to send you the links after this, but yeah. Okay. I so I'll, I'll put, I just wanted to let people know that I'll put links in the show notes for this podcast because yeah, that yeah. sounds really fun. So as we were going live with the bands, we were also going live on Twitch to show the behind the scenes of what we were doing and how we were switching cameras and how we were calling cues and lighting and audio and all these different things. And it was very cool. And it was all volunteer. And it's how I got guys to get hands on cameras, hands on with, with the switchers, hands on with some of the auto gear, hands on with the hog, hands on with lighting, hands on with streaming. Uh, and we had a streaming room that we kind of showed guys some things and we had James Bangs do it and Christopher Brown do it. It was a very cool experience. We did it. We just wrapped it up. Uh, Fourth of July actually was like the last kind of big show we did. And now that is still going on in Orlando between me, Jason, Scott, and a couple other guys with the OPAV team. And we're bringing bands up there and guys are getting paid now. Not a huge amount, but they're getting paid something because they volunteered their time. So there, there's things you could be doing within your communities to to continue to get back and continue to do stuff and also to work. So so that's you know, whatever. So that's that's one side of the things, right? I think you should keep yourself relevant on social media by by doing stuff to get back to the community so that you become a name. You know, like for example, I'll give a prime example right now. Ryan Wade, super talented lighting guy. Lighting guys are having probably the hardest time right now because everything is going virtual. He went back to his old career of flooring and he's killing it on flooring. He's killing it. Hard. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, he's cool. killing it. And here's the thing. He's getting these flooring jobs. He's doing installations. He's contacting openly on social media for freelancers that know him. Like, hey, if you need work, hit me up. I need bodies. And these are guys that are probably talented yeah. engineers, maybe making sure. who knows what he's paying them, but they're, they're getting something out of it. And he went out of his realm to do something from his past to do flooring again which he does an awesome job. The flooring is beautiful, by the way. But he's a lighting engineer, and he's a super talented lighting engineer. I mean, he's probably one of the best in Orlando, has a great reputation. But he's giving back by being on AV Educate um, when he can. He's giving back by providing work because he's like, hey, I have these jobs that I'm, I'm securing. Come work for me. There's other guys doing similar stuff in New York. There's a guy in New York who's a video engineer who's doing very well, who's also doing installation work right now by himself. He's giving back to the community by offering, hey, I have a, a gig who wants to come on it with me. I got on a gig through AV Educate through my collaboration for an installation gig in North Carolina for seven days. Made a nice chunk of change there. The guy paid me quickly as well because he's like, hey, I know you guys are hurting. I'll, I'll pay you uh, quicker than 30 days. I was like, dude, wasn't expecting it, but thank you, appreciate it. And I, I, you know, I'm living off that little chunk for now. I have a couple of the ones that I'm working on right now, but again, it, I'm calling people and making those phone calls. Um, and if you're not doing that, I just did a post today or uh, yesterday about uh, vertical concerts. Posted yesterday, there's 45 comments as of this morning. I reached out to promoters, bands, hotels, people that I, I sort of know are in that realm. Say, hey, is there anything we can do to make this happen? And I got a bunch of like, yeah, we need to know X, Y, Z. And I'm like, okay, here's my solution for this, here's my solution for this, here's my solution for this. And I think we have a couple of hotels that might be interested in it, other than the insurance side, which is another way to figure out. Um, and I have guys that are commenting on that feed right now saying, what, I literally said, if you were on this show, what would you do? Or something along those lines. And they're saying, I would do these positions. Like, okay, if I get this show, dude, I'm going to put you in that position. I made notes of it. So like I'm nice. I'm also trying to give back, you know. You're you're doing your thing to give back to the community. Everybody's I think everybody needs to be just socially connecting again. And that's what I'm saying the relationship building, right? Just connect with your your friends and your family, see what's going on. My 
My parents were separated. My mother's uh, husband now, uh, his name is Johnny. He does not necessarily, but he's like a contractor for, for a building and he like does the repairs and everything. I'm not sure what the, the right verbiage of that is, but uh, he repairs the buildings. He's called me for a couple of things. Like, hey, I need an extra guy just for, for today. Tell me some piping. Yeah, I'm there. Whatever you need, man. Because I need the money, right? I'm not going to say no to it. Like, oh, sure. I don't do that. Like, no, hey, he knows my skill. He knows I'm, I'm not competent in it, but he's like, I just need an extra hand. You know, it's a day pay. Don't worry about it. Cool. I make a day's pay and you know, it's, it's a little bit of money to go towards something. Sure. Um, and again, that's, that's because I told my mom, yeah, this is what's going on. Here's, you know, I'm, I'm struggling. Don't worry, Johnny, we're going to figure something out. And they helped me out. Nice. Okay. Um, my dad as well, who owns his company, you know, they had some streaming stuff come up. They, they saw that I've been doing a lot of streaming. They had me come in and talk to them, sit down. We did talk about it. They had a couple possibles come in. They paid me for my, my consulting fee, which they didn't have to, right? But they did. And I had some money from that. So, and, I, and again, but this is me calling and contacting and reaching out and doing stuff. So if you're out there trying to find out what to do, just call your, call your phone, man. Call your, and call it, your phone. Yeah. yeah. Call your phone. <laughs> call, look at your phone right now. Just go. And here's the thing too. Like I've also been doing is by contacting people, there's people that I haven't talked to in a long time that I've reconnected with. And one of those connections, a buddy of mine who used to do AV doesn't do it anymore. He actually is doing not me- he's in a, a, a medical building and they had to do a, a project and he mentioned, Hey, I mean, I do AV. I have a buddy who still does it. We can, I can help you figure out some pricing stuff. And we're actually working on a, co- a quote right now to do um, an installation for his building for eight TVs. Nice. Not, not hard at all. Not my wheelhouse, but I also not, I'm not, you, you know, incompetent to it. So that's something that I'm just making a phone call, reconnecting with a guy and he said, Oh, by the way, I have this, it just popped up. Are you interested in it? I was like, yeah, let's, let's make it work. And, and that was, Literally like a phone call that I just, Hey, just checking on you. What's going on. And then the other, the other token to that side too, is there's people that I contacted that aren't doing anything or that I had really no, no commonality with anymore. And I, I, we spoke for a little bit and it was kind of it. And I just removed them from my phone. You know, if they called me back, Hey, cool, whatever. I, I, oh, sorry. I, I changed my phone out or whatever the case might be. Um, if you hear this, sorry, I deleted you, <laughs> but, um, I've been taking numbers out of my phone cause I have a lot of numbers and some of them I don't, I don't call. And there's some numbers that I hit up and they were like, yeah, I don't really remember you. And I was like, yeah, I don't remember you either. Sorry about that. <laughs> yeah. I've had some awkward conversations, but this is awesome. So you're actually going through your entire just yes. book. I love yes. it. And I plan this to do amazing. my, my emails too. I've been, I've been deleting emails, getting rid of junk. I'm um, going through contacts and seeing, and, and you'd be surprised. I've been sending out emails, not, I wouldn't say crazy, but uh, pretty frequently. And I get a lot of invalid or, you know, no longer active stuff anymore. Sure. And I just demon. take that out of my, my inbox and or sure. take that out of my, my contact list. Address book, yeah. Yeah, my address book. Yeah, that's what it is. All right, Omar. What is a cafecito and why did it try to kill me in Fort Lauderdale? So a cafecito or culada is like oh my god, I, I think that's why I cracked it and stayed down didn't stay down here for so long. <laughs> you had it already. It, it is coffee. <laughs> it comes in a little it looks like a, a styrofoam shot glass. And it comes like this. And what it is is it's sugar and black coffee. But I'm talking about like, so you know, so the way you make it here is an espresso machine. You put the sugar on the bottom, you put the coffee on top of that. You, I mean, you pack it, you forcefully pack it in there, sugar, coffee, sugar, coffee, pack, 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 make it super, super tight. And you shove that in the espresso machine and it pours out and it struggles to come out of there. And it's just a super concentrated sugar and black coffee mixture. So it's not like just bitter, sweet, but it's hardcore and it's a little shot. And it, what's funny too, is it, it comes in a shot glass. And then they give you other smaller, smaller cups to pour it into, to give to like with people. But if you live down here, you just drink the whole thing because you're not affected anymore. But then what happens, <laughs> like Nathan notices is that when you don't have that, you get a regular cup of coffee and you're like, yo, this isn't enough. I need, I need a cafecito. I need a colada. I need a, I need a, I need a real coffee. 
Omar, what's in your work bag? Like, I know there's a lot of things, but is there like one or two unique pieces that you could tell us about? Uh, so I lucked out. All right, again, you can see it both ways, right? Lucked out, didn't look out. I own the first versions of the ATEMs. So I have an ATEM switcher in my work box. I have a streamer, the original one with the faceplate, which cost me about 1300 or 1400 Now you can buy essentially the whole package on a little controller like this big for about 300 bucks. <laughs> um, that's one of my like favorite toys that are in there. It's actually not anything right now. I have a, well, we, so we call them PCDI boxes. Uh, is that what you guys call them as well, right? I've heard them call that. I don't, uh, there's probably a lot of people who are listening who don't know what that is. So what is that? So I have from radio, a USB to XLR box for the computers. So in Miami or in South Florida, we call them PCDI boxes, which may not be the right terminology, but that's what we call them. And what it does all essentially, instead of going out of the, the headphone jack, to uh, you know the little box to control the volume. This is an actual amplifier that you know gives you a cleaner signal with more channels to use it if you're doing that. Obviously, if you are a Dante person or yeah, Dante guy, you can do all that through Dante through network and it's even better quality. But when you're not, that's what I have. So I have I have two of those. I have two decimators in there. Uh, I'd plan to buy uh, two DAC 70s as like my ultimate podium go-to. Um, Wait, what's a, a DAC 70? So a DAC 70 is a box that does VGA, HDMI, and SDI. And it does, okay. is an up-down cross-converter, so I can go either direction. And the decimator um, doesn't do that? The decimator does HDMI and doesn't do VGA. So it does the same thing with VGA. Okay. Is, uh, the difference is, is that the DAC 70s, they come in these very robust, like like literally uh, aluminum cases. Okay. And it's, it's a dip switch. And what it does is it allows you... so. The decimators can kind of do the same thing. You have to program. Decimators is like plastic, right? Is that that's why you're saying? Oh uh, well, it's it's metal on the outside. It's they're similar. I'll, I'll say they're okay. similar. The VGA is the key the key one. So, in corporate AV, a lot of the medical stuff we do is VGA still. It's the one missing link. It, but they're five hundred dollars versus three hundred bucks, and you can't really go analog to digital uh, very well. This one does the box very well. Um, what it does do, it has these little dip switch, so you can you can change that. You can embed audio into the SDI line. You can de-embed audio, which the decimators will allow you to pass it through an SDI line or HDMI line. The DAC70 will also do it, but it also de-embed it, and it also does okay. it, and it also does it between analog to digital. Just the cool. difference. So it'll take an analog signal and turn it to digital, or vice versa. And the other thing it does too with the dip switching side of it is that it'll, which decimator does as well it'll auto force you. So it, it acts as an, an EDID, right? So I can go, well, except for the VJ, but it'll it'll take whatever the signal is in, in and it'll send me out whatever I want. And what's cool is it it sends out a, a, a it sends out, not a black signal, but it sends out a signal constantly, like the decimators. So if, like, so here's, an ex here's a trick, right? If you have a decimator or DAC 70 and you have a podium going to a projector or to a monitor, you set this guy up at the podium, decimator, DAC 70, whatever you want, with a decimator, you have to program it to take either or input, HDMI or SDI, right? With the DAC 70, I tell it to do VGA and HDMI, leave those cords up there, the, the presenter plugs into that, or actually you can do it with the missing link as well. Plugs into that, it auto-acquires it, and it sends it out the line. The difference though is that with, th with those boxes, right, like like audio, right? Like if you put a PCI DI box or a PC converter box, whatever. That's That line is always active. Once you plug in, it's active as long as the channel is open. And video, what ends up happening is, is all, like projectors and monitors, they have to save power, they auto turn off. That'll send a constant signal to the monitor or to the projector. So now right, okay. you can leave all that stuff on, it'll show a black screen unless you program it. Like the doesn't mean you can program like a, like a logo thing on it, I think. Let me not say that. With the missing links, you can program a logo on the missing link 
and you can send a source to that. But it'll send out a signal the entire time. So now what happens is that presenter comes in, they plug into it, it receives an EDI did, takes it in, sends it back out to your projector, your monitor, and then boom, the signal's up there and you didn't do anything. You just left it in the room on, ready to go, which allows you to not, not have the projector turn on or off. So that's what a, essentially a DAC 70 is like that extra wheelhouse to go analog to digital. It's just that extra little tool to have in your box. Just like with audio, right? You always have like a, an analog version and then a digital version of something. I also have multiple laptops. I have two. Sorry, now I have three. I have three MacBook Pros. Two wow. Yeah, so I have two 15-inch MacBook Pros 2015 and one MacBook Pro 20, I guess 2019 now, but the newer ones with the with the taskbar, which is what I'm on right now. Mm-hmm. And then I have one PC that I use for like E2, Spider, eVision, and Novastar is on the okay. PC side. And I'm gonna I'm actually buying another PC or trying to because of all this. Trying to buy another PC to do vMix on, which I have the program. Uh, and then I found out after the fact, because I didn't do my due diligence, that it was only uh, PC-based. So I was like, well, okay. <laughs> I'm going to let this program sit here for a little bit. I also, ironically, I, I bought Disguise as well. Which is Wait, what's that? So Disguise is a is a media server program, which comes in an annoying, tiny-ass little, little thing. <laughs> Look at that cute little thing. Yeah, so I need, I need the key for this. But Disguise is a media server, and you can buy the software, and you can program everything, and then, and then put it on a computer and send it out. Or you can buy the hardware side, which is way more expensive. Um, but it's PC, so I gotta I gotta get that PC now. Now I have two programs right. that you know right. there were programs that are affordable. That now it's like I need the PC. <laughs> wow, you have all the toys, Omar. I try to be, I try to raise my value, right? So that that's the that's the other thing I'll add. If you, you know, and, and money's tight right now, but there's there's other ways to raise your value. But having a a a backpack for starters with just generic tools, you know, a C wrench, suppliers, some Allen keys. Fire extinguisher. I don't know. Well, maybe. <laughs> Depends. What, I mean, I guess no, you could, sorry, anything could be anything could be a smoke machine, right? <laughs> right. Yeah, just having like a backpack with tools in general, if you're a stage end, right, is something you should you should you should have with you at all times, right? Oh, sharpies, hundred percent. You should you should have sharpies up to, up the wazoo. You should also have. I just did a video on this. You should also have a a gray sharpie and a black sharpie in your bag. The gray, so the that gray you don't sharpie have before. So, oh. Thank you for asking. If you, <laughs> it, so typically we have black, right? Because we, we, what we want to do is we want to label our cables and we want to label our, our consoles, right? So we, we do the white tape and write our notes on it, you know, whatever, VOG, you know, whatever we're doing. Mm-hmm. However, if the client didn't provide white tape and you don't have white tape, but you always have black tape, you take that black tape, you rip it in half and it's the same length. And now you write on with the gray Sharpie on the black tape and you can still see what you wrote and still get the same effect, except the opposite colors. Nice. So I do the same thing, but with silver. Yeah, silver. Is this a silver? Oh, did I say oh, white? You said gray. Oh, I'm sorry. Well, silver, gray. I mean, yeah, close enough. <laughs> so gray, yeah, gray, yeah. gray and black. Cool. Or silver and black, whatever. Yeah, so it's silver. You should buy silvers, buy at least like a handful of those for yourself, and then buy the black. Just have a bunch of black ones, because usually, usually you have white. So you can label the cables, you can label your console, you can label whatever you're connected to, your silk packs, your power, a bunch of shit. You want to label everything so that you signal flow, you know what's going on. I have a bunch of those in my backpack, and then I have some generic tools. I bought some specific like lighting stuff in case I have like I had that little multi-tool lighting thing for the C clamps. I have one of those, which is super hard to get. I found out after I bought it. What else is in my kit? I think that's oh, I, I have a Roby podcaster, which is what I'm using right now over here. A bunch of I have a bunch of mics that I. I have like three SM58s as like, you know, those are workhorses. You'd be surprised how many times that comes in handy for like 
random VOG stuff like, oh, I got a mic, I'm ready to go, you know. Nice. Um, but just having, I think, little things like that in your toolbox, uh, multiple adapters, I have tons of adapters for Macs, tons of adapters mm-hmm. for Macs. Just having those little extra little knickknacks in your in your person, I think, raises your value as an engineer, as a technician, because that, the client also remembers you for that. Like, oh, man, this guy is always ready to go. I have a guy who used to stagehand in, my, in Miami who used to own a jewelry company. And he literally, he's a stagehand. He comes in with a with a full three-tier work box. Nice. Full of tools. Like, literally, the guy's got tools for himself and people, and he tracks all that stuff because he's got everything, you know, like with a cord on it, so that yeah, that's definitely mine, you know. Um, <laughs> but that guy gets on show site, and I see him a lot because he has those tools. I also see camera guys, right? If you're a camera guy out there, or I don't know about I'm doing it, but if you're like, I see camera guys. Believe it or not, and I, these are guys that I know that I call, so I won't send your names, but I call them more because they come with an espresso machine. <laughs> nice. Their yes. their Pelican case doesn't have any tools; it just has an espresso machine in it, and it's like they bring that to all the job sites, right? But audio engineer, you guys come with like your own. And not to downplay, you guys come with like usually like like if you're an A one position, right? You guys come with your carpet, your like lava lamps or your salt lamp, <laughs> your own little like little thing table to like put all your stuff on, a little lamp for yourself. Like you guys make your home at every show site. So, oh, I, I, and I'm, I'm not exaggerating. One of my good friends, Zach Larson, has a carpet. Has it? He has a coffin actually. He he brings with him. He's he ships it, and it's got a carpet, a chair that he puts together, a salt lamp, a light, and something else. I know I'm yeah. missing something. Did he, did he? Oh, and a little like not an espresso machine, but a, a hot plate with a little like like the Spanish coffee machine. You know, you put them together and you make sure uh-huh. the pressure comes yeah. up and over. One sure. of those. That's, That's the setup. And I'm sure people listening to this right now, are like, oh yeah, I know, I know. I have a friend that does it. Yeah, if you're an one, <laughs> I feel like you have to, right? You want to be comfortable. You want to be in your zone. Sure. All right, Omar. So we got just a couple questions to wrap up. So I know you know all of these resources, but I'm going to ask you to pick one. So what is one book that has been immensely helpful to you? So the one book, man, and I, the one book I think that was the most helpful for me was the, the illustrated, the backstage. Oh man, I got to Google this. I don't want to get the name wrong. So it was a, it's a book and it's, it's super old. It's called, yeah. So the back, the backstage handbook, you guys ever heard of this book? I don't know. So the backstage handbook is, I don't know. It's, it's massive. But what it is, and the reason it's called the Illustrative Guide, is that it is a booklet that literally just, it's like a sketch or a visualization of all the tools that you use in corporate and theater. And it gives a description of those tools. So it's like, this is a sea wrench. This is what it looks like. This is a, a monkey wrench. This is what it looks like. This is a, a flathead. This is a screwdriver. This is a, a C-clamp. And then like multiple versions of C-clamps and, and what they're actually called. There's a power section, right? So L630, 20, L6, I'm sorry, L6, L630, 20, L620. Oh, I need that. I yeah. always get so confused has, by those. It has all these little visual illustrations, and I'll definitely send you a, a photo of it because it's literally my favorite book ever. I probably used that book for a good few years to learn about the industry because I kept seeing these tools. I was like, oh, what is that one? Oh, what is that one? What is this hammer? Like different hammers have different purposes and it gives you uh, different formulas for different like generic stuff like Ohm's law and some of the formulas for that you need to know. Gives you stuff for hammers and different reasons to use them. And then like it also, I mean, it breaks it down to saying, hey, if you use a, the rubber mallet, right? It's used for this. If you use the hammer, it's used for this. So like specifically tells you what these tools are used for and gives you a visual of it. So the, the book is... I hate to say it this way. It's a kid's book on steroids for adults because it's <laughs> it's literally all images with a description uh-huh. underneath it and what it's for. And then there's a, within those chapters, there's 
breakdowns of like, okay, oh, and then like for, like for the scenic departments, right? For example, there's, you know, like, like Muslim, right? That, that material, it breaks down what the material is and what it's used for. Then you have drape, right? Which drape is a certain kind of fabric, what that fabric is used for. So there's a whole section on fabrics and different materials and like what you use them for. Like, so there's sheen fabric, there's the Muslim fabric, there's, I don't know, there's a bunch of shit that I didn't look at, but Muslim sure. is the one I know the most because it's what I use for projection. And then there's also stuff about screens in there and how to build screens. Not exactly how to build them, but screen materials. So there's all these little knickknacks in that book that I think is super, super helpful. You don't get anywhere else. And I, and I, no, it's amazing. I want it. Plethora of books. Yeah, I yeah, know. It's, it's, okay, cool. It's highly recommended. It's been around for years. I'm looking at it right now on uh, Amazon, just one for $20 right now. Definitely okay. worth the buy. So, Omar Cullen, where is the best place for people to follow your work? Um, AV Educate, honestly, on you know, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. Well, not so much on Twitter. I, Twitter's an overload. Instagram, Facebook right now are the biggest kind of platforms I, I, I'm on. You can contact me on there easily. I'm, I am the guy who messages you back. Well, Omar Cullen, thank you so much for joining me on Sound Design Live. Thank you so much for having me, man. I appreciate it. This is awesome. Sound Design Live. Over the last few years, I've gotten a lot of questions about measurement microphone placement for subwoofer alignment. People want to know things like, should it be head height or ground plane? What do I do in small venues? Should I measure with left and right on together or just left solo? So I decided to finally put together everything I know about this into a single document, and I'm calling it the complete guide to measurement microphone placement for subwoofer alignment, and you can download it for free right now over at sounddesignlive.com. Just scroll to the top and click on the menu item called training. And I should warn you, this is especially for people like you and me that really enjoy a deep level of complexity. Um, there, you know, this is a 38 page document with uh, 58 full color images. And I think it's really fun to dive into this kind of stuff. But if you're the kind of sound engineer that just likes to, you know, put a microphone in front of house and call it a day, that's totally fine. Nothing against that, but just warning you, you probably won't like this guide. But if you really like to, you know, dive into this stuff and look at the geometry of how to create the most efficient crossover alignment for the most people in the audience so that they have a great show, then I think you'll love this. It's over at sounddesignlive.com. Just click on the menu item called Training. This episode was edited by Noah Feldman. It features music from an artist named Steve Combs. You can find more at freemusicarchive.org slash stevecombs. Sound Design Live is supported by Ross, Learn Stage Lighting, John Scott, Pedro Rob, Martin, Rody Free Radio, Joel Ellis, Jim, Sinqui, Terry Nicholas, Kuba Chris, DC Sound Op, and Dave. You can start supporting Sound Design Live today for as little as $1 over at patreon.com slash sounddesignlive.